How many of y'all can say, say amen to that right there? Job was right when he said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Jesus was right when he said, you're going to go through much tribulation. But he was also right when he said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen. And so here we have Peter. He is, he is encouraging. He's trying to help uh, people who are going through suffering. And one of, the main, uh, one of the main items that he uses to motivate them and to encourage them as an example to them was the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it, it goes with what, what Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews, looking unto... Okay, y'all need to read your Bible. Looking unto Jesus. Say that with me. Looking unto Jesus. Who is he? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. When we get down, focus on him. When we get discouraged, focus on him. When we get weary, focus on him. Amen. We look to him. He said, look at Jesus. Look what he went through. Look how he dealt with suffering. When he was accused, when he was done wrong, when he was lied about, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When, when he was attacked, he did not retaliate. And see, that's what he said. I want you to be patient in your suffering like Jesus. So here we have, here we have Peter using the example of the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to how we deal with suffering in our life. Say that with me. How we deal with suffering in our life. Well, today... He kind of changes the subject a little bit. He kind of changes the narrative a little bit. And he, he uses the same illustration as far as Jesus on the cross. But now he wants us to deal with sin in our life. Sin in our life. Uh, this is something that, that, that we don't usually want to talk about and we won't, don't want to deal with. But we're going to deal with it today. Say amen. amen. Look in verse number 18. Uh, chapter 3 verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. In other words, he didn't suffer because he deserved it. He didn't suffer because he was unjust or he was wicked or he was cruel or he was guilty. He suffered to bring us to God. If that makes sense, say amen. Now look at chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then, since you know and understand about Jesus and the cross and the whips and, and everything that he went through, the beating that he endured, the, the, the crucifixion that he endured. For as much then as Christ has suffered, what's the next two words? Say it again. Say it again. That's important. That's important. We've got to understand everything he did, he did for us. Everything he experienced, everything he went through, he did for us. Why? So that he could bring us to, bring us to God. All right? Now, look what it says. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Say that with me. Arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. That's a militant term. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Then he begins to remind us of our past. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, ex excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatry, just naming wickedness. Wherein 
They think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. In other words, when a person gets saved, your friends don't get it. When a man comes to Christ and Christ changes his life and, 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 and he starts drinking from a different fountain and he starts living in a different way and he starts behaving in a, in a different way, the friends don't understand that. You mean to tell me you're going to get up early and go to where? You're going to give how much of your check to the... They, get, they don't figure it out. What are you doing? What, we used to have such good times. They said they don't understand. They can't figure it out. Wherein they think it's strange. And by the way, by the way, if you, if you used to run with the crowd and, 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 and you say you got saved and they don't think it's strange... In other words, you still running with them? And you still acting like them? And you still looking like them? Something, something strange about that. Something's got to be different. Y'all with me? Now watch this. It was so different that they were being persecuted and thinking and, 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 and being ridiculed. He said, they speak evil of you who shall give account to him. In other words, Peter's saying, don't worry about them. Don't worry about the people that speak evil of you, for they're going to give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. The word quick means alive. What's the point? He said, don't sweat them people. They're going to stand before God too. Don't worry about your critics. Don't worry. Don't worry about the people who talk bad about you and don't understand you because they're going to stand before God one day too, and all God's people say it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings, your mercy. Thank you for the privilege it is to serve you. Now, Lord, help us discuss this topic. This is not a popular topic. This is something that uh, is, is avoided a lot of times, but we need to focus on it. We need to deal with it. And God, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. First Peter verse 1 is an interesting verse. He, you know, Paul, he, he's, or excuse me, Peter's using uh, Christ's sufferings in the beginning to tell us to be like him. In other words, endure patience very patiently, or excuse me, endure suffering with patience. Be, be, be kind. When people come against you, you don't retaliate. You don't revenge. Vengeance is the Lord's. But then he says this, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, that means his death on the cross, that means his crucifixion, that means his arrest, his incarceration, everything that happened to him, he did for us. All right? Now he says, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Now why do we need to have that mind? Now now we see a change. Now we see he's, 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 he's referring to someone different. He's referring to the, the, the saint. He's referring to the Christian. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, what does that mean? When we, when we were saved, we died with Christ. Does everybody understand that? Our old man died. It was crucified with Christ. It says this in Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Romans 6, 12, let us, excuse me, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, what does that mean? 
what he is saying is this. He is saying when a person gets saved, they, their, their old man, their old person, who they used to be, was crucified with Christ. Are y'all with me? Now, you got to stay with me on this. This is, this is one of them. How many of y'all have ever had that movie that you went to the bathroom and you come back and you totally didn't understand the movie anymore? You can't go to the bathroom and get popcorn. you got to focus. Say amen. Stay with me. He is saying this. When a person is saved, when a person repents and they come to Christ, at that moment, their old man has died. Their old man is crucified with Christ. Why? Because God wanted to break the power of sin in our life. When we are lost, sin has a power over us. When we are lost, we have no control. When we are lost, we don't have any say-so in the matter. We are sinners, and we follow sin. And we are, that's just who we are because sin has a power over us. The old man is in charge. But thank God, when we come to Christ, when we come to our Savior, when we come to our Messiah, when we come to our Liberator and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Take my sin away. Save my soul. At that moment, that old man is dead. That old man is gone. At that moment, he cuts the power of sin in our lives. Somebody say amen. And we have to reckon that. We have to reckon that. In other words, in other words, we got to understand that the power of sin is broken, but not the influence of sin. Are y'all with me? It's still wicked out there. There's still temptation out there. Now, before I didn't have any say so. Before, when I was lost, I didn't have power over the deal. Sin had power over me. But the moment I got saved. God broke that power. Now I have some say. Does this make sense? Now watch. Even though I have say in the matter now, sometimes I trip up. Now this is what he's talking about. He's saying, look, when you got say, you, 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 gotta, you, got the, you got the upper hand when it comes to sin. Now why? Look what it says in the next verse, verse 2. Why did stupid glasses? Amen. Help me, help me, help me. Pray for me, people. I just sin thinking about these glasses. <clears throat> Look at this. Verse 2. Verse 2. Why did he break the power of sin in our life? Verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the... All right. Then he talks in verse 3 about our past. And he goes down a, a long list of those issues. All right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He says, arm yourselves. I don't know if you understand sin. We don't talk about it enough. I think we need to teach about it more. We need to discuss it more. Because I'm afraid there are way too many Christians who are very careless and very nonchalant when it comes to sin. I believe that. And I believe one of the reasons is, is because of a false uh, uh, a, a, a false, maybe, I don't want to say teaching on it, but, but I've, I've heard people say this, uh, and, and, and so they get a wrong understanding about it and a wrong philosophy with it, and, and you hear the phrase, well, we sin every day. How many of y'all have heard that? We sin every day. So, so what, what, what some people do is they say, well, your sin is no different than my sin, and you sin every day, so don't judge me for what I'm doing. 
And so to them, that eases their conscience for whatever the, the, whatever the issue is that they want to do that they know is wrong. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Let me, let me break this down. And I hope you all get this. Everybody in the balcony, everybody on the floor, everybody. You don't have to sin every day. Matter of fact, according to the word of God, if you are living in a habitual sinful lifestyle, most likely you're not even saved. Preacher, what are you saying? I've heard all my life we sin every day. You don't have to. You don't have to. Now, now don't, don't take from this that I'm preaching sinless perfection. That once you get saved, you never sin anymore. That's foolish. I understand. I, that's not so. But don't go around saying, uh, we just sin every day. So, you know, because what that does, that puts a mentality in people that it's no big deal. We sin every day, so don't worry. No. No, you don't have to. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says so much about sin. Sin is what got Jesus killed. Are y'all with me? We need to conquer sin. We need to overcome sin. We can't live in a habitual sinful lifestyle. Now here's the thing. There's, and, and this is not your notes, but this is, I want you to just thoughts in my head. I want you to understand something about sin. Sin is deceptive. It's deceptive. It'll trick you. It'll offer one thing, and it'll give you another. It'll offer you pleasure, but it'll give you pain. It'll offer you a good time, but then it'll leave you in death. The Bible says when, when sin is finished, it's death. The wages of sin is Everybody likes the, you know, the, 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 the beer commercials where they're just all having a big time and rejoicing, but they don't put the, the, the pictures of the drunk driving accidents. They don't, they don't, they don't put when they advertise, when they advertise uh, 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 tobacco and all these other things, they don't put a picture of the person that's sitting in an oxygen tent, can't breathe because their lungs are destroyed. You know, they, we, we, go, we see sitcoms on TV that glamorize people living together and shacking up and just moving from one partner to another, but they don't never put the person dying of AIDS in the hospital room on TV and glamorize that. Or, or young people that are struggling in their life because they had a, a, an unwed pregnancy and now they're struggling just to pay the bills because they're trying to, yeah, I'm going to go there. They don't glamorize that. Just glamorize the TV and the, and the, and the, and the Hollywood people. That's fake, y'all. But see, that's what sin will do. Sin is deceptive. Sin is also divisive. Sin is divisive. In Isaiah, I believe it's 59, it says this, that God's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. His ear is not heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you between what does that mean? Sin divides. What happened when man sinned in the garden? You know, man had a great relationship with God, walked in the cool of the day, had a great time with God. And the moment they disobeyed God and they broke God's law and they sinned, there was a separation made. Their spirit died and that fellowship was broken. And God had to come, Adam! You know why? Because they were hiding from God. Sin is divisive. But also, sin is destructive. It's, it, 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 it never ends good. 
Never. Now watch. I, 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 the other day, we, we, we dealt with this on Wednesday night Bible study, just, just last week, matter of fact, and went into great detail. And I, I would encourage you to go and, and look at that. We, we, we studied the, the life of, of Achan in, in Joshua and how sin in the camp brought destruction and death. Look, it says this, sin. Here's, here's Webster's Dictionary. Sin is the voluntary departure of a moral agent from a known rule or duty prescribed by God. Any voluntary transgression of the divine law or violation of a divine command, a wicked act, iniquity. Sin is either a positive act in which a known divine law is violated or it is a voluntary neglect to obey a positive divine command or a rule of duty clearly implied in such a command. Sin comprehends not action only, but neglect of known duty. All evil thoughts, purposes, words, desires, whatever is contrary to God's commands or law. Let's, let's give you two verses. The Bible says, verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. In other words, that's the positive. That's when you break what you know you shouldn't. James 4, 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is, it is sin. Now let me, let me break that down. Here's the thing. What is sin, preacher? It's not doing what you know you're supposed to or it's doing what you know you're not supposed to. That's not complicated, is it? It's not doing what you're supposed to or it's doing what you know you're not supposed to. Now you say, well, preacher, how are we supposed to know what that is? Read your Bible. But guess what? You don't, you don't have to have your Bible memorized. Because God not only gave you the scriptures, he gave you the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all have been saved longer than five minutes? Come on, raise your hand real high so I can see it. Longer than five minutes. Then you know what I'm saying when I say you get ignorant, God lets you know. Matter of fact, God's so good about it that he can let you know before you get ignorant. Because about the time you get ignorant, he's going to say, whoa, I know you ain't fixing to do what you're fixing to do. How many of y'all have had that experience? Now, how many of y'all, come on now, we're going to be honest. Can y'all be honest about 37 seconds? How many of y'all went ahead and did it anyway? And what did he do then? He just piled drive you. And he didn't leave you alone till you made it right. So, aren't you glad we have a Holy Spirit that will help us with our sin? Now, here's what I want to help you with. I'm not running a rabbit. I'm just trying to set the table. Say amen right there. I know nobody likes to wait for them to set the table, but I'm glad when you get it all set, it's good when you sit down. Amen? Now, here's the deal. He says this. In the very next verse, most, most of the time when you go to church, if you have my experience, when I, when I was growing to church, I had a very regimented, fundamental, uh, uh, kind of a legalistic type background that, that, that if, 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 if something was not right, you just made another rule. Right? If you, you've seen a problem somewhere, well, bless God, we're going to have another, you know, and you have another thou shalt not. Now, how many of y'all know if you just keep adding thou shalt nots, that don't work? 
Well, preacher, I just think we need to make another law. We need more laws. See, y'all totally just went right there. You just missed it. We just need to make another rule. We need to make another law. No, no, no. You don't understand. Laws don't change people. Laws just reveal what's in people. Let me give you an illustration. How many of y'all, y'all got a driver's license? How many of y'all have gone down the road and seen a sign that has some numbers on it? How many of y'all treat it like it's a suggestion? And see, some of you act moral about it. You do. You, we, we act moral about it. If the speed limit is 55, we'll only do 60. <laughs> Not anymore, but 60, that's all we're going to do. Now, some of you just, you, you just do what you do. Say, hey, man, it, that don't stop people, does it? How many of y'all know we've got laws now about texting and driving? How many of y'all figured out that don't, that ain't stopped nobody? You go down the road, just slow, fast, slow, fast. Man, what is wrong with it? And go by and they on the phone. I have to keep from sinning right there. Say amen. Listen, let's, let's, change, the, let's change the thought process. Let's do it a little different. Instead of adding another thou shalt not or let's make some more rules, let's see what Peter has to say because he goes at this thing a whole lot different. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I want to live right in my life. How about you? I don't want sin to have its way in my life. I, sin, I, 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 I've been in that. I know what it, it's like to have unconfessed sin in your life in the miserable state that you're in. David said, when I, when I left sin and it's unconfessed, he said, my bones waxed old. He said, he said, I was roaring all the day long. Thy hand was heavy upon me. You dried up my bones. Preacher, what am I saying? I'm saying this, is that when you live in sin, God won't leave you alone. And if, and if God's not messing with you, that means you don't belong to him. Because God said this, whom he loveth, he chasteneth. If you're without chastening, you're a bastard, not a son. That means you're illegitimate. That means you claim to be saved. You claim to be a child of God. But if you're not under his correction, if you can go out and live any way you want to live out in this world and God don't deal with you, you don't belong to him. But if you are saved, if you are a converted, blood-washed child of God and you go out and act ignorant, God's going to beat the devil out of you. Say amen. Now, I don't know about you, but that's painful. I've got whippings before. I know what it's like. I'm talking about from God. I don't want to be that. I want to live a life like that. I want to live in victory. I want to live in the presence of God. I want to live with, with the power of God on my life to be able to face the obstacles that's there. I want to be able to pray for my family if my family's in need. Are y'all with me? So how do we do that? How do we stay that way? How do we stay that way? How do we, how do we deal with sin in our life? He said, look at Jesus. Look at him. Have the mind that he had. He said, arm yourselves. He uses that terminology like you're putting on armor. 
You know, you're putting on armor and you're taking control and you're, you're, you're taking a sword. And you're, He says, what are you arming yourself with? With the same mind. Say it with me, the same mind. What, what, what was he saying? Do you realize every sin starts in the mind? Sin doesn't just happen. I, 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 it kills me when people say, it just happened. No, it didn't. Affairs don't just happen. You don't all of a sudden, you're in this store, I'm going to buy a Mountain Dew. I think I'm going to hold this place up. Are y'all with me? That don't just happen. According to James, it's a process. It's a process. And man, please, I don't want to preach this again, but go, go listen to the Bible study from last Sunday. Or excuse me, last Wednesday night. Sin is a process. It starts in the mind. It begins with a thought. Are y'all with me? That's why we gotta we gotta take control of our thoughts. The thought of foolishness is sin. We gotta take control of our thoughts. We gotta we gotta start there. Don't start when you're in the motel room. Start when those thoughts start developing. We gotta stop it there. So what do we do? He says, arm yourself with the same mind. What mind? The mind that Jesus had. Now, we know in Philippians, we said he had a humble mind, right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He's talking about humility there. But, but that's not what he's talking about here. What kind of mind did Jesus have? What kind of, what kind of thought process did Jesus have when it, when it come to his life here on this earth? How many of y'all understand that Jesus was fully human when he was here on this earth? He's fully human. In other words, he had to live his life just the way we live our life. He lived his life by faith in his father. Every day he prayed to his father to know what to do here on this earth. Now watch this. Let me give you three quick things. And then I'll give you a summary. Matter of fact, I've got 13 minutes. So so listen fast. Can y'all listen fast? All right, number one. Number one, what kind of mind, what kind of mind did Jesus have? He had a focused mind. He had a focused mind. I went back and I tried to, I tried to look up verses that, that, that kind of showed the way Christ thought and, and, and Christ's behavior and his thought process while he was here on this earth. And let me give you a couple. Watch this right here. Watch this right here. He says in John 4, verse 34, you remember when the disciples went into a Samarian that came back with food and, and he had done been witnessing to the Samaritan woman and, 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 and led her to himself John 4, 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. My meat, that which sustains me, that which uh, ministers to me, is to do the will of him that sent me. John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, Now keep those two verses in mind and go back to chapter 4 in verse number 2. Why does God give us power over sin? Why does God give us victory over sin? Look what it says in verse number 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh or the desires of the lust of men, but to the will of God. So what is he saying? Stay focused on God's will for your life. What does that mean? We have to stay focused. Focus. We have to know why we are here. 
Jesus was focused. He, there was all kind of people who tried to sidetrack Jesus. There was all kind of people who tried to set him up as king. There was all kind of people who tried to pull him this way and that way. They tried to, they tried to make him something that they wanted him to be. But Jesus knew his will. Jesus knew what his father sent him to do. And he was focused on his will. He didn't let people stop him. He didn't let people detour him. He was focused on what God had called him to do. And if you want to have victory over sin in your life, the first thing you need to do is find out God's purpose for your life. Did you realize that Paul... In one of his letters to one of the churches that he had planted and, 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 and he had been with, he heard about their salvation. And this is what he said. The very first thing I prayed for is that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. Y'all with me? Now, you say, why is that such a big deal? Why is that such a big deal? Do you realize if you are busy doing right, Y'all ain't going to get with me. How about y'all? How many of y'all understand that if you're so busy doing right, it eliminates the wrong? You know what we've been trying to do for so long in the church? Trying hard not to do wrong. We're like little Johnny. Little Johnny was in the pantry. And mama come through the kitchen and she heard something. She heard. She said, Johnny. Now the kitchen pantry. Yes, ma'am. Said, Johnny, what you doing in the pantry? He's in the cookie jar. Said, Mama, I'm in the pantry with the cookie jar. She said, What you doing in there with the cookie jar? He said, Mama, I'm fighting temptation. You know what little Johnny should have been doing? Mowing the grass. If he'd have been mowing the grass or taking out the trash, somebody say amen. How often do we get in trouble because we're not busy? We're not in the will of God. We don't even know what God's will for our life is. Are y'all with me? I found this out. The more I'm doing what God wants me to do, I don't have time to get ignorant. How many of y'all know God will keep you busy? This is, not, this is not rocket science, people. How many of your grandmas told you an idle mind is a, a devil's workshop? What happened to David? What happened to David? You know, when he messed up and got, got, got stupid on God is when he stayed home from battle. When, if he would have been doing what he was supposed to be doing, he would have never messed up with Bathsheba. Are y'all with me? Why does God cut sin in our life? Why does God take that out? Why does God give us power over that? So we could do God's will. I'll tell you, I tell you, I see a lot of Christians falling because they're not pursuing. I said it, they're falling because they're not pursuing. That's why Paul said this, forgetting those things which are behind. I I press. Mm. 
I press toward the mark. In other words, to God's calling in my life. Man, he was going after it. He was going to city after city after city, planting church after church after church, making disciple after disciple after disciple. He's pressing. Listen, we got to focus. We've got to know what we're here for. I heard this statement. It's great. The, the two greatest days of your life is the day you're born and the day you learn why. Think about that a minute. The day you're born and the day you learn why. Man, when I realized God's calling in my life, you know how much pressure it took off me? And it gave me focus. It gave me direction. So Jesus was focused. He was focused. He knew why he was here. He knew why he was here. He knew what his job was. He knew what his calling was. Not only that, but B, he was determined. You remember, what are we talking about? It says, arm yourself with the same mind. Arm yourself with the same mind. What kind of mind did he have? He had a focused mind. And then, and then number two, he had a determined mind. Watch what he says. I love this. Hey, he even started when he was a young person. Listen, young people in here, young people in here, I want you to understand, you don't have to wait till you get older to serve God. At 12 years old, he was in the temple confounding the people in there. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. At 12 years old, this is what Jesus said. Luke 2, 49. Y'all remember when, when, when Mary and Joseph, they went back home and they left Jesus? And they looked around and they were headed home and they looked around and Jesus was gone? How would you like to have been the parent that lost Jesus? <laughs> Explain that to God, amen? We had him. He was, I, he was just here. I don't know. His mom goes crazy, goes back. They find him, in the, and you can understand. I mean, they kind of get sideways with Jesus. What are you doing to us? You scared us to death. Watch what he says. This is his response. Watch what he says. 12 years old, this is Jesus. And he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I, I must, say it with me, that I, say it with me, that I, I must be about my father's business. You know what that means? Translated means get an early start. Even at 12 years old, he said, I must. He felt, he felt a drive inside of him, a determination inside of him to do what he was called to do. Look in John 4. Look in John 4. He said, verse two words. All right, all three of you, help me now. First, first two words. Everybody say it. Everybody say it. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now, when's the last time you got up in the morning and said, Whoo, I got to get to it? And not because you was late for work. I'm talking about God's calling in your life. When's the last time you felt such an intensity that I got to do this? I must be about my father's business. So, yeah, but that was Jesus. But, but Peter said, arm yourself with that same mind. He was not only focused. Here's the deal. Let's, let's just make an easy terminology. When I say focused, here's what I mean. He knew what he was here to do. Right? 
He knew his job. Then, when I say determined, he didn't let nothing stop him from accomplishing what he came to do. Now think about this. The devil's going to do everything he can to detour you from what God wants you to do. This morning, this morning, everything in the world went wrong this morning. I'm talking about if it could have went wrong, if it could have went wrong, it went wrong. Everything in the world, and, 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 and the devil is good at what he does. Y'all with me? He doesn't, he doesn't do things in a way that you can tell it's him. He does it in a way where you have to blame the dryer or your spouse or the youngins or the people at work. Are y'all with me? But he'll do everything he can to detour you. He won't come out and say, stop doing what you're doing. He'll just give you something else to do. Oh, let me hang right there a minute. I wonder how many Christians, they really want to do God's will, but they're too busy doing so many other things. And then when the the preacher says, we need you, here's their mindset. Well, I just got to add this to all the other 50,000 things I'm already doing. When in reality, our life should be this. God, what do you want me to do? And then what can I do after that? I will say it again. God, what do you want me to do? And then what can I do after that? Well, I tell you, you're just being, you're just being, you're just being, I'm just being biblical. Right? Because see, the devil don't really have to try to kill us to stop us. He just has to get us busy doing other things. And by the way, by the way, the other things we're doing can be good things. Do you know he will keep you from doing the best thing by giving you a good thing? That's what, you remember, how many of y'all believe that Martha in serving that food, she was doing a good thing? Did y'all eat this week? Was it a good thing? So her working and serving, that was a great thing. That was good. But you know what he said about Mary? She chose the best. See, sometimes the devil have us so busy doing this and doing that that has nothing to do with our focused calling. And guess what? You say, why is that? You just said that because you want something done? No, I'm trying to keep you out of sin. You remember? This was the whole deal. This was the whole point of this discussion was dealing with sin. Staying focused on what God wants you to do. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Lastly, <clears throat> write this down, and then and I'll give you just a couple quick things. What was number one? What kind of mind did he have? He had a, he knew exactly what he was here to do. Then, then number two, he had a determined mind he wouldn't let nothing stop him he wouldn't nothing detour him they tried to make him king and he left he said my time is not yet he, 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 listen don't let anything distract you from doing what god's called you to do but then here's an important one here's an important one especially when times get rough he was assured he was assured <clears throat> what's that mean you got to understand you got to understand that, that his when i say his purpose 
his commission, his calling, everybody thinks about walking on water. But that wasn't it. And, and everybody thinks, you know, turning the water into wine or, or feeding the 5,000 or, or healing the dead and raising the sick and all that stuff. He did all that. But you know what his calling was? A cross. This is what the Bible says. For this cause came I into this world. He even said this. For this reason was I born. Wow. He was born to die. And what, what would it be like to know that your main calling in life is to be crucified on a cross? I don't know about y'all, but that, that, that's, I, 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 that'd be hard to get motivated up for that. But you know, there was something he knew. Look what he said. Jesus said this. He said in John 12, 23, And Jesus answered him, saying, The hour has come, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You know what Jesus knew? He may carry a cross, but one day he's going to wear a crown. This cross wasn't the end. After the cross, he'd be sitting at the right hand of his father. Now, here's here's my point. I want you to understand, when the time gets tough, when the going gets tough and things get difficult, understand this. Be assured of this, that one day the wicked will be judged and God's people will be rewarded. When you think you're missing out on all the fun because all these people out there partying and having a big time and you think you're missing out on it, you are missing out on hangovers and car wrecks and and disease and debauchery. Listen, don't think you're missing out on anything because one day the just will be rewarded and all God's people say it. Now, here's what I want you to do. This is an overview. This is an overview. What do we learn from today's lesson? What do we learn from today's lesson? Three things. I'm glad I put this in big print. Amen. When it comes to our sin, when it comes to our sin, just remember, you don't have to write this down, but just when it comes to our sin, the things, when, when we, we go through life and, and God reveals something, the Holy Spirit says, hey, you did such and such. And he will. He will. Don't ever doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, up in the balcony, don't ever doubt. When you do mess up, he will tell you. He will let you know. Here's what we need to do. Number one, here's, here's a summary of today's lesson. Here's what I want you to leave here with. Number one, when it comes to sin in our life, keep a short account. Say that with me. Keep a short account. What did Jesus say when, when the disciples said, teach us to pray? Teach us to pray. This is what Jesus said. He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. How many of y'all remember that? And remember this, this is not a formula. Don't repeat those words. He said, this is a pattern. This is an outline. Do you realize part of that is this? Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. In other words, we are to come to him and ask forgiveness. First John chapter number one says it very clearly. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, let's keep a short account. If we do something the Holy Spirit reveals to us in our heart that should not be there, go to your knees immediately and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Take this off of my account. Wash me white as snow. Keep a short account. Why? Because the longer that account's there, the harder it is to deal with. 
And let me say this. Let me say this. This is a whole message in itself. But the longer you let sin stay in your life, the harder your heart gets. And the more callous you get. And, 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 and we end up having a seared conscience. What does that mean? Without feeling. You see, when you sin and you live in sin, when you're saved, you feel it. And, it, and man, the, the Lord just keeps on. And, but the more he has to deal with you and chastise you and try to get your attention, the harder you get till you get to the point that you don't feel anything. And that's a dangerous place to be. So keep a short account. Number two. Number two, don't put yourself in bad situations. Let me give you a verse. It says this in Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision. Say that with me. And make not for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. What does that mean? Don't put yourself in bad situations. Teenagers, don't get alone in a car somewhere. Don't do it. Well, I can handle it. No, you can't. Generations of people will stand and testify today, say, you can't. Keep yourself in a good, in a good place. I, for instance, for instance, I mean, it's a poor illustration, but it's all I got. It's hard cussing here, ain't it? Right? Now, Mark, you're laughing awful hard right there. I don't know what that means. Kelly, jig him in the side. Amen. But in the right atmosphere... I don't care how good a Christian you are. In the right atmosphere, you get around the wrong people. Y'all with me? But see in here, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. You, you with me? Keep yourself in good situations. Don't put yourself in. A, listen. Do you realize? I'm, I'm thinking it was. I'm thinking it was Billy Graham. I, I can't remember one of them. Billy Graham would not even get on an elevator alone with a woman. You know why? He didn't want to put himself in a bad situation. He wanted to always stay pure and holy and above board. Say, well, that's just extreme. Yeah, but he he done okay for himself. When when a ton of them didn't, y'all with me? Don't put yourself in a bad situation. I heard Dr. Brown say it this way. There's always gonna be, there's always gonna be temptation, no matter what. No matter what. I don't care how old you get, men, you're always gonna be tempted. No matter what, there's always going to be temptation in this world. But there's not always going to be opportunity. So what we have to do is keep opportunity over there and temptation over there. Don't allow opportunity and temptation to come together because that's a recipe for disaster. And all God's people say it. Okay, so don't put yourself in a bad situation. Number three, this, this is the key. This is the key. Cultivate your relationship with Christ. What's it say? In Galatians 5, 16, this I say, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's hard to lust after a woman when you're having a conversation with Jesus. It's hard to think about cheating on your taxes when you're, when you're talking to the Lord at the same time. How many of y'all have noticed this, that the closer you get to Jesus, the more obvious sin is in your life? It stands out like a sore thumb. I don't know about you, but this may, be, this may not be nobody but me. But the closer I get to God, the more stuff bothers me. Maybe before I hadn't spent much time with the Lord, I could be watching a, a, a movie on TV and 
Somebody say a bad word or something and, you know, nah, it's a bad word. But I tell you what, when I've been really spending time with God, really spending time with Jesus and, and, and really been focusing and cultivating my walk with him and my relationship with him, I mean the least, the, the Duke's a hazard bad word. I mean, not even the real one. Just the, you know, I'm talking about the old Deuce of Heather. Why? Because the closer you are to the light, the more darkness stands out. And I found this out. If I just keep cultivating my relationship and my walk with Christ, it eliminates the wrong. Are y'all with me? What, is, what are we doing throughout this whole thing? We're focusing on the positive, and it eliminates the negative. Amen? And then lastly, what I say? I said this. Keep a short account. Say it with me. Keep a keep a short account. Number two, what I say? Don't put yourself in a bad situation. Number three, cultivate your walk with Christ. Focus on that relationship. Maintain that relationship. Number four, stay busy. Say it with me. Say it again. Well, what am I supposed to stay busy in? Serving. Sign up one of them cards. You've been having issues with sin in your life? Grab one of them cards. We'll keep you busy. I promise you, it'll help. Ask David. Ask David. I promise you this. If David had to do all over again, he wouldn't have never left the battlefield. Stay busy. And all God's people said. In verse number one, it says, they that have suffered, and it's basically talking about, it's talking about dying with Christ, our, our old man being, being crucified, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Listen, I hope you desire the will of God and pursue the will of God. Because I promise you, if we, if we focus and accentuate the positive, it will eliminate the negative. And all God's people see it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessing.